Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. I want to share with you guys uh, my life story and... <clears throat> Whoa. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, nah. uh, um, I'll start here. I was in 1989. I was uh, sitting in a prison cell in Malaysia, uh, built by the British in 1895, uh, because I was uh, trying to get to United States of America. Uh, I had at that point uh, I was possessing 30 illegal passports different nationalities. So I'm sitting in jail and I'm praying and I'm asking more power from the spirits that are in cooperation with Islamic faith. We call it jinn. I don't know, uh, the word genie is taken from that. And I, at that point, I already possessed many powers and I could do many things in the spiritual realms. And so I would sit and I would pray and read the Quran. And uh, I was a dedicated Muslim that had been trained in Islam for 12 years. My grandfather was a Muslim leader and built mosques and orphanages uh, all over Iran. So I'm now sitting in jail and I'm thinking my plans have been derailed a little bit because I'm coming to United States to convert the poor misled Christians into Islam. And so uh, it taken me a little bit of time to get here from 1989, so, but I'm here now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so, and I'm uh, asking, I'm reading the Quran. Now, as a habit, I read the Quran uh, cover to cover once every 10 days. I know that's, that's normal for many of you that read the Bible that way, right? I had uh, almost two-thirds of the Quran by heart memorized. And uh, when we say memorize, you cannot make any mistakes as a Muslim. You cannot make any mistake. Not one word back and forth. Not a vowel can be spelled or pronounced uh, wrongly. So um, I was a dedicated Muslim. And I'm praying and I'm asking because I want more power. I want to have more of Islam so I can be a sharp vessel in the hands of Allah. And so at that point uh, comes a spirit into the room and this spirit was really dark and it comes into the room and immediately as soon as it comes into the room I'm sensing it intends for my life. And so I said, oh, that's nothing. That's not a problem. I got Allah on my side. As a Muslim, we, and you may have heard this word, Allahu Akbar. Allah is great, but that's not the right translation. Allah is greater. So, uh, so I said, Allah is greater. 
And so I say that in the name of Allah who is merciful and gracious. And I'm fully expecting this spirit to run away, but it doesn't. It comes closer. So I said, oh, I got to give my testimony as a Muslim. There is a shahada. There is a proclamation of faith. When I say that, then it will run away. I did that. It came closer. I started reciting the scriptures of Quran. It comes closer. And I feel I'm being drawn into this darkness. And as I'm being pulled in, it is interesting because you have this sensation that Whatever you advance in this darkness, it can never be retracted. And uh, I feel I'm choking. I cannot breathe. In the last moment, I'm like, this is not working. I say in Farsi, my own language, God help me. And the moment I said, God help me, the word Farsi for God is Khoda, the Alpha, when you look within. So I say, God help me. And the moment I say that, I hear a voice as clear as you hear my voice today. It was an audible voice that said, bring the name of Jesus. Now in that very moment, I did not think about it. It was as if I'm drowning and someone has offered me a piece of rope. I wasn't going to be picky about the color. <laughs> I tell you, you know, look at me. I carry a pink bottle. <laughs> it was on sale. I bought it. That's it. <laughs> so, and, but as a Muslim and uh, human psychology says that we are trained in certain ways. So the sentences we form is based on the training we have given to our brain psychologically. So in Islam, we say, Ya Allah, in the name of Allah, in the name of Muhammad, in the name of Ali, so on and so forth. So the proper sentence would have been, Oh Jesus, Ya Isa. But it, did, it wasn't that. The sentence that came out of my mouth that I had not formed, but it came out of my mouth was, Jesus, if you are the truth, show me yourself. And before I was finished with the sentence, that spirit had run away. Not a normal human being would have been like, wow, powerful Jesus, yay Jesus. But I'm not a normal person, so that was not my conversion, but that was the beginning of my confusion. Because I thought to myself, wait a minute, we love Jesus as Muslims. He's one of the five great prophets, but he's a prophet. Allahu Akbar, Allah is greater. I brought the name of Allah. I stated that I am a Muslim, which is the best religion. I believe in the last prophet. How come that didn't do the job, but the name of Jesus was what this spirit was afraid of? Now, that question, I think is very logical and very powerful. But... When I asked that question, I remembered my teachers. My teachers taught me as I studied Islam. He says, I should never ask questions. In Islam, we 
teach our children not to ask questions. We say, if you ask too many questions, you may become an infidel and you will go to hell. Or you will become crazy. Now, I was already in jail. Those two options were not going to make my situation any better, you know. <laughs> so I thought to myself, okay, I remembered asking my teachers, what are those questions that you should not ask? Because I didn't want to ask him. <laughs> He told me, nobody knows, just don't ask. <laughs> But... That explains that we are having a little mini course about understanding a Muslim mind. If you want to share the gospel, you got to understand their mindset. So I'm like, I think this is one of those questions. I'm not going to ask again. I went to bed, I slept, I got up in the morning and in the morning you do the call of prayer and I am the Muslim leader. I give the call of prayer for everyone to come to the mosque and pray. But it starts with Allahu Akbar. And the moment I say that and I'm singing that, I hear a voice, then why would Jesus help you? And I jumped. I said, what was that? And every single time I made a statement about Allah or Muhammad or Islam, I hear this voice, why would Jesus help you? Now this happened for about two weeks and it literally took away the foundation of my faith. And I didn't know what to do. So I said, I know what, I'm going to pray and fast because God is one, according to our Muslim faith, God is one, and he's like the top of the mountains. You climb different ways, you come to the same God. Maybe he has a different path for me, so I'm going to pray and fast, and I'm going to ask him to show me that path, and I'll follow him. So I asked him, show me the truth, show me the path, I'll follow you. For two weeks, I fasted. I sat in one place, morning to night, till I passed out, and I would get up, and I would ask Because in my life, there was one thing that was the desire of my heart, and that was God. All my life, I only had him. And I got up every day praying. The morning prayer for Muslims is about five minutes. It took me an hour and a half. I would love to pray. I would love to read the Quran. I love Islam. I love Allah. Because... They taught me, this is the real God. And now I have lost God and I'm asking, I'm desperate. I can't live without you. Show me the way. And after two weeks, nothing happens. And I got a little bit upset. But I'm Iranian, so it's a little bit different. You know, <clears throat> being Muslims are peacemakers. You know, Islam means as-salam, peace. So we are peacemakers, and peace is achieved many different ways. One of them is, you know, you kill your enemy, there is peace now. <laughs> The Western countries mistake us for terrorists, we are not. We just want to create peace, and you're disturbing our peace, you know. <laughs> so, 
Point number two of understanding Muslims. It's not against you. They really believe this is how the history of Islam achieved peace. You either became Muslim or they went through by the sword. This is the history of Islam. And I love, I have still many Muslim friends that I love very much. And there are many good, soft, gentle Muslim friends. But the Quran teaches that. And the history of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad did that, the Khalifas did that, all of the Imams did that. That's the history. And I love uh, all these new face of Islam on Instagram, but that's not the, if you had Instagram in the time of Prophet Muhammad, it wouldn't have looked so nice and soft. That's the reality. Now you wonder why I have two death sentences of my life. It's because I was a Muslim. I know the truth. And I share the truth. So I was a little bit upset with Allah at that point, And I said, forget you. Because all my life I have served you. My last job in Iran was hanging people. At age... 12, I volunteered in Islamic Basij, which is known by Hezbollah in Iran. I was a member there for three and a half years. At 14, I volunteered to walk on landmines to die for you. And when I was too young to do that, they asked me to join the group that kills for you. And I joined that gladly. I would watch people give their last breath as we are pulled them up by rope in the public places and have fun watching them, timing them, see how long it takes them to die. I did all of that. I prayed more prayers than any other young person my own age. I have fasted more. I've done all these things. And that was not enough. You come and you confuse me with this name of Jesus Christ. And I ask you to show me the way you don't. So from now on, I will go about my life. I will do what I want. And if there is a God, if there is a day of judgment, you cannot judge me because they say God is just. It was you who did this. And if you judge me for what you have done, then you are not just. And if you are not just, then what does it matter if I follow you or not? I studied law. Islamic law. I thought it makes sense. And in that very moment, the room filled with the presence and there was a man who stood in front of me and shined like light. And the moment he stood there, I knew two things about him. He is holy and he is just. And I knew that I am holy. No matter how much prayer, how much fasting, how many people I have had, what I have done that is good. It doesn't matter. I am unjust. I am unholy. And the only just thing he can do because he is holy is to kill me. So I ran to the corner of the room. And I held my head in my arms. And I cried out. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But I'm an Iranian. 
And forgiveness in the Middle East by Muslim families is normally delivered by your father through a belt or a cable or punches. Allah is merciful and gracious, but we have not one example of his forgiveness toward any human being recorded in the Quran. Not even Prophet Muhammad. We know as a Muslim, of course, he's the greatest prophet. He will go to heaven, but Allahu Alam, only Allah knows. In the day of judgment, we will know. So I've never seen the mercy and the forgiveness. I know he has the power to forgive, but I've never seen an example. In Islam, also, it's the greatest sin is <coughs> shirk. It's when you equal yourself or you say there is someone equal to Allah. And when a human being, bande, a servant, reaches himself and elevates himself to a place that, so we have Abdullah, the father of Muhammad's name was Abdullah, the servant of Allah. So uh, we... Human, that's why Allah says he has no son. He has never begotten a son. He doesn't have anybody. We are servants. So now imagine a servant has said, I will decide for my life. I had elevated myself to the place of Allah. And the only justice is to die. He's there. I thought he was going to kill me. I'm crying out, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But I don't think that is possible. At some point, he touches my shoulder and he says, I forgive you. Wow. And the moment those words reached me, it reached within me, grabbed hold of every bit of sin. And instantaneously, all of that disappeared. I physically felt lighter. I physically felt forgiven. I don't know how to explain that. But I knew that I knew that I knew that I'm forgiven. And I was like, whoa, what was that? And I'm thinking, only God can forgive. This is God. But this. It's different because only in the day of judgment, Allah tells someone they are forgiven. This is not the God that I know of. This is someone else. And I said, who are you that forgives me? And I feel forgiven today. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm thinking in my head, wait a minute. I thought the way is a direction. It's a path you walk on. I thought the truth is something you measure. I thought life is a source. I never knew the way is a person. I never knew the truth is a person. I never knew life is a person.
but I'm thinking to myself, as an Iranian man, you are not allowed to cry, so I, these are allergic reactions. <laughs> so that my grandfather in the grave does not turn over, you know, and think, what did I do with my grandson? <laughs> He will blame my father for sure. <laughs> so, and I wept for about two hours. And he stood there watching me. Now, I can't really explain what that felt like. But I, I don't understand, do you? Do you get when, they were talk, when you were talking about, he looked at us and he said, yup, that's a good trade. Yeah. He stood there, a God Almighty, but the position of a servant to serve me, to, because he knew I need to just vent and cry. He could ask anything, and it is his right to ask anything because he's the king of kings. But he did not ask anything. He was there for me. I cried for about two hours, and at that point, he says, I look up, and I look up, and I see this, like a TV screen in the middle of the air, and I see all the people of all nations and generations, and I'm thinking... Oh my goodness, every single one that I could see, I could see their sins. And I said, oh, I live among all these sinners. And he says to me, how easy did I forgive you? I said, very easy, very easy. In Farsi we say, as easy as drinking water. <laughs> the name of the book is as easy as drinking water. And I said, no, 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 no. Easier than drinking water. And he said to me, I can forgive all of them, but who's going to tell them? And I said, I will. And he said, go. Now you got to understand, I'm a soldier. When he said, go, I literally got up and I ran out while Jesus was still standing. <laughs> Many tell me that was a stupid thing to do. You wait for him to leave first, then you go. But I challenged them and I said, no, the stupid thing would be to stand there when he has commanded you to go. When your king, your God, your lover tells you to do something, don't waste time. So I ran and I went to the mosque because that's where I used to hang out and I was the leader. And I get there excited because all the Muslim brothers of mine, the sons of Ishmael, they're looking for forgiveness. And I ran there with the good news. With the good news. And they said, oh brother, what are you going to teach us about the Quran, about the Hadith? And I said, no, 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 forget Allah, forget Muhammad, forget the Quran. I just saw Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he can forgive all of you. 
that's all I knew about Christianity. If you know more than that and you're not evangelizing, something wrong with you. Let me repeat that one more time. I only knew. I'd never seen a Bible. I didn't know Bible exists at that point. I didn't know anything else. I just knew that he said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he can forgive everybody. And I had been forgiven. I had experienced what he had said. I knew it's true. And that was enough. And if you know that, if you have experienced that truth, and you are still sitting, there is something wrong. I hoped that day that all my brothers would follow me. And actually that day, every single one of them did follow me in a different way. They were running to kill me. So and I was just running away, <laughs> confused. Why? I thought they would like that message. <laughs> that was not the end of the story. I still stayed in, in that prison. But every day I shared the gospel because I knew nothing more. And every day I had some more stories that would come to my mind and I would tell them those stories. But at some point I didn't know if they are true or not. So I prayed for a Bible and someone the day after I prayed gave me a book. I knew it's a Bible. I opened it up. I was so excited. I had kissed it. You know, we kissed the holy book three times. I kissed your word, made it into my mind and from there to my heart. And I open it up, and there's a small mistake. It's in a language I cannot read. That's why it says, be specific in your prayers. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, this is good. But last night I prayed this morning, it comes, says, you know, UPS can't beat that, you know. <laughs> and so I'm going to pray for a Farsi one. And he says to me, read this. And I said, but I can't. He says, read. And I said, but I can't. He says, read. And I thought, Wait a minute, I don't want to make him upset, you know, because I'm still from a Muslim background and God can be unstable, you know. You think sometimes, sometimes men complain about women being unstable, you know. Allah is really one moment, you know, snaps, that's it, you know. So I'm thinking, I thought he knows everything. Somehow he didn't get the memo that I don't know this language. Maybe I should show him. And I had opened the book to a page and I began to read. And the words came alive. And I could read and I could understand. By the end of the paragraph, I knew I'm, gone, I'm completely crazy. I've gone crazy because this cannot be. This is... Exactly like my life story, but this is thousands of years ago. How can that be? That happened to me about two weeks ago. Now it had opened to Isaiah 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated and exalted, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple above him where the seraphs 
with six wings, with two, they flew with two, they covered their faces and two covered their feet and one called to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory and the sound of the voices. I said to me, woe is unto me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. At that, Sarah flew unto me with a coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar. He had touched my lips and he says, see, this has touched your lips. Your sins taken away, your guilt atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying unto me, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, this is over 30-something. Almost 35 years ago. I have not recovered. <laughs> and I don't want to recover. <laughs> I always thought. I must have been really stubborn that God had to prove himself by coming down. <laughs> 17. I had done things that he forgave me. But during my life after that, I mean, I went to Muslim countries, preached the gospel in all the places, in mosques and in the schools of theology. And many times they tried to kill me. I'm here because he's not finished with me. And when my job is finished, I'll be glad to go any which way they send me. And uh, I mean, I'd rather, you know, have some Muslims, you know, come at me and kill me rather than die, you know, by COVID or something. I just don't understand that. There's no glory in that, okay? There is excitement. I mean, a couple of times it was really exciting for me. I tell you, you know, two of us in a mosque, 3,000 men, you know, the sacrifice, the uh, Eid, they have the celebration and we were the sacrifice. <laughs> and so, and my buddy says, what do we do? I said, the only thing we can. He said, what is that? I said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And so God saved us that day. And that day, the imams forced us to go and share the gospel. They actually kidnapped us for about eight days to share the gospel with every single member of that village. This is our God. This is our God. And in the past 35 years, I wish I could have said, I've lived a glorious life of walking only with Jesus. But I've lived... Lots of ups and downs. My first marriage fell apart. I have had many mistakes that I have made. And one time, I said to God, because he said, Afshin, it seems like you have a problem with me. I said, yes. What is that? I said, you claim to be all wise, almighty, I understand. Omnipresence, I understand. 
all wise? I don't think so. And he said, why? I said, because you chose me. I have an evidence. Now, there is nothing more precious than the gospel of Jesus in the whole universe. And you gave that gospel to me to share. Knowing all the messes I make, all the hearts I will break, all the mistakes I made. How can you call yourself wise? And he said to me, actually, I did not choose you out of my wisdom. I chose you out of my love. I chose you because I loved you. And I was like, whoa. I never thought of that. That was really wise. <laughs> but then he said to me, Afshin, but my love is not without wisdom and my wisdom not without love. And he showed me what I would have done if I had not seen Jesus Christ to North America. I would have made Osama bin Laden like a kindergarten school student in my school. He saved me. One time I was sharing the gospel with this atheist and he says <clears throat> to me, if God could show himself to me, then I would believe. I said, how would he show it to you? Would, if someone was going to kill you and then you say, God help me, and then the guy stops from killing you, would that be enough? He said, yes. I said, then give your life to Jesus right now. He said, why? I said, because if he had not saved me, I would have killed you right now. <laughs> and he could see that was the truth in my eyes. I had only one set of thoughts. You believe in Allah or you die. I would have made it into North America. And if I had not known Jesus Christ, I don't know how many of you would have been alive. But I can tell you the ones that would have been alive, they wouldn't have been bickering about we are part of this church or that denomination. You would have been united. People say to me all the time, you know, we're praying for the persecuted church. I said, please stop praying for the persecuted church. We're doing fine. It's the unpersecuted church that has gotten lazy. You're thinking why the world is going crazy. It's because we say, oh, Jesus, the presence, wonderful. And he has said, go. And we say, no, let me just enjoy this. And he says, you have all of eternity to enjoy this. But if you don't go out, there's a whole bunch of people that will miss out. So I stand here, this is crazy, that an Iranian Muslim born guy is standing here in the heart of the belt, the gospel belt. I'm challenging you guys 
to remember your beloved, your lover, your God, your Savior, who is the King of kings, who is almighty, who when he comes to the scene, the whole of creation begins to sing, worthy is the Lamb. I'm challenging you to not give up, not forget that this God knew your worst failures that you didn't even know you're going to commit. Some of you think you have committed it. Some of you don't think you have committed it yet. I don't know which part of your journey you are, but he chose you out of his love. He knew the worst things you will do. And he is willing to give you a testimony more powerful than all your failures put together. It's like this is a strange. An Iranian guy standing here in Texas telling people, Jesus is worthy of all the glory. You should have seen me when I was in Israel. I mean, God has a sense of humor. And one of the things I used to do was burn uh, Israeli flags. And so I, and then one day the Lord told me, hey, Afshin, you know, uh, you need to ask for repentance. What? I thought I've repented of everything. You know, the list is... I mean, if Paul was here, he would have had a hard time in front of me saying he's the chief of sinners. I'm like, really, Paul, come on, I'm here, <laughs> you know, and then I said, I thought I did it all, I, you know, he says, no, you know, you need to ask the Jews for forgiveness, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, I wanted them all dead, so, uh, okay, but I, I don't know any Jews, I've never met any Jews, you know, as soon as I meet one. And I say that the next day, it's like the floodgate has opened. It's like they're all coming out of Egypt, you know? It's like, what is happening? But the first one was really funny. I tell you something, the first one was really funny. I'm on the bus going toward the plane, and this is after the 2001, the September 11th thing. And I see this guy, and I'm like, you're a Jew? And he says, yes. I said, Oh, I got to ask for forgiveness. He said, why? I said, look, I was part of Hezbollah. I was a terrorist. And I'm going on getting on the plane. And he's like looking at me. And I'm like totally like, oh, you know, I got to ask for forgiveness. You know, I, I wanted all of you guys dead and all these things. And he's like, what? I'm like, but you know, Jesus Christ saved me. And I just need to ask for forgiveness. You guys are blessed people. And he's like, okay, yeah, I forgive you. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> so I was like, later on, I thought maybe that wasn't very smart. <laughs> I, should have, I should have waited for the plane to take off and then tell him. <laughs> <laughs> hey brother <laughs> assalamu alaikum <laughs> but 
one event, I was in Hong Kong, uh, and there was some 22,000 people, and a rabbi got up on uh, Shabbat, and they started singing Shabbat Shalom. And I uh, came to the leadership, I said, they sing Shabbat Shalom, but they have not had Shalom because of the Ishmaelites. I want to apologize to him and I want to wash his feet. So I went to the rabbi and said, can I wash your feet? And I said to him, for years I have had a problem that I was born the first son to Abraham, but I was not given any inheritance. I had a problem that God chose you and not me. I had a problem that I did not see the love of my father growing up. I did not have him in my wedding. I did not receive any blessing from him. I did not know his love because of you. But today, the father in heaven has shown me his love. He showed me that my name is Ishmael. Elohim hears your cry. And this is the very first time after Adam was given the responsibility of naming the very first time he breaks that and he says, wait a minute, I'm going to name this one. And he revealed to me that Father Abraham loved me too. But God, who loves all, had had a plan for your life. And an anointing was released over your life much greater than mine. And today I have aligned myself with the will of the Father. And I want to say to you, I bless you, my brother, Isaac. I bless you and I bless your anointing. And I would be glad to stand behind you and support you. I will be there to serve you. And I washed his feet and I was going to get off the stage. He runs after me and he grabs me and he says, my brother Ishmael, how would I have longed to have an older brother? Someone to play with. Someone to protect me. We just wept together. We said, Father Abraham would have wanted this. So then God takes, you know, he just doesn't stop. He just like, push. <laughs> then he tells me, now it's time for you to go to Israel. I'm like, you're kidding me. Now. <laughs> so I show up in Israel with a ticket, no hotels, nothing, because I know what's going to happen. But she said, go, I'll go. And they welcomed me at the, the plane. Mr. Javid, please come with us. And the, the guy takes me to an office behind another office, behind another office. And they're like completely searching me. And they said, okay, uh, tell us, why are you here? I'm like, oh, visit Israel, holy land. And he said, no, really, why are you here? I'm like, visit the holy land, tourist, you know, tourist, not terrorist, tourist. <laughs> Sorry. And he says, no, tell us the truth. We know you. I said, you know me? He says, yes, we know all your cousins. 
We know all of your family. And I thought, you know my family? He said, I said, we should eat together. That's my culture. The guy said, you think that's funny? I said, I tried. Does it work? He said, no. You know where you are? I said, no. He said, you're in Mossad's office. I said, how did I end up here? He said, your background. I knew you were coming. We knew. We had gotten your name from the, the airline. He said, so tell us why you're here. I said, you want to know the truth? He said, yeah. I said, look, honestly, uh, I thought Hitler was a nice guy. He just didn't finish the job. But then I met this Jewish man who told me to love is better than to hate. And he says, what was his name? I said, Yeshua. And the guy was shocked. I said, so why are you here? I said, I used to burn your flags and say death to Israel. I'm here to go to the mountains, to the high places and low places and say shalom upon Israel. Shalom upon the, the, my, my brother Isaac and their children and children's children. And so he's like, oh, wow. And he's crying. I'm crying. He grabs my hand and says, welcome to Israel. And I finish with this because I know you guys have to go. Um, just before I came here, the, a lady uh, who has a house of prayer in Israel uh, called me and they had prayed and they had thought that we should, I am the one because she had a vision that she had to pass on the torch. So uh, she said, look, this house of prayer should be in your hand and everything else. So uh, we want you to, to take it over. So we have to do a fundraising to buy this house in Negev Valley. It's where Jesus was in the desert, right? So <clears throat> we said, oh, okay. Uh, I said, yeah, no problem. I'll buy it, but I don't have any money. So that's as long as you're okay with that. She says, yeah, we're okay with that. Not a problem. Uh, and he said, but there is a bigger problem. What is the problem? Uh, the, the government of Israel has to approve you to buy a piece of land. Because everyone, every foreigner that needs to buy, they need to get an approval. And... The day after, one of the ministers, one of the former ministers of Israel reaches out to me and says, hey, uh, Afshin, do you remember me? I said, yeah. Do you, how do you remember me? You know, so many years ago. He says, you did that Cyrus call thing. I said, yes, 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 yes. Remember, we were in Winnipeg when we had prayed the time before. We just came from Israel. We released the Cyrus call. And on the first day, 15,000 Iranians out of nowhere showed up at Cyrus's grave. That was Cyrus's birthday that day in Winnipeg. And they started saying what me with Tom and everybody had released on the, in the mountains. And we said, hey, it is time for the call of Cyrus to be awakened. And the Iranians went to the Cyrus grave and said the same words, Muslims. So it's a crazy time. So we are going to go buy a house with no money. And the Israeli government is giving us approval to buy this house. 
So in the history of 75 years of existence of Israel, and by the way, the house, the plot number is 75 also, is uh, I, uh, Afshin Javid would be the first Iranian ex-Muslim terrorist that is allowed by the government of Israel to buy a house. Yeah. On the letter they say, it is absolute necessity for the security of the Jews that Afshin would come here because we would need people like him sharing the gospel with the Ishmaelites. All of that, all of what God has done in my life, it is him doing. But I needed to hang on to the testimony he gave me, to his goodness. Times will come that is really tough. When your brothers and sisters who are supposed to stand by you, they're the first ones that accuse you or doubt you. This is a problem amongst the, the Christians. You don't have that much of a problem like that amongst the Muslims. You guys got to learn that. We stand by each other. A unity. That was meant for the body of Christ. Stand together. But... We are all in the process and you have brothers and sisters that haven't had this revelation. In the meantime, you need to remember your revelation of who Jesus is to you. Don't let that go. Because if you don't let that go, you will not believe how mightily God will use you. And how many lives will be changed because you hung on to the faithfulness that Jesus Christ showed to you on that cross of Calvary. I only have, they said to me, what do you look forward to? This is what I look forward to when I go to heaven, to gaze upon his eyes. Because once you have seen his eyes, you can never be the same. Yeah. The love, unmeasurable. Grace, unmeasurable. Mercy, so fresh and unmeasurable every single day. There are no words that I can find that will do justice. That would truly express how much Jesus loves every one of you. He will have to reveal that. And I pray that no, as Bill Johnson says, the spirit of stupidity hits you and brings doubt to you that maybe he doesn't love me. Don't allow that. He loves you. And if going to the cross is not proof enough and you ask him to do something else, he would gladly have done that if that would have satisfied you. But all was satisfied. So it's not needed. Just receive it. 
remember he loves you he loves you and he loves you and his love will never end for you I'm so grateful to be here thank you so much for allowing me to share my life story with you guys if any one of you ever come to Germany please come hang out with us we would love to have you you know we, uh, you'll find a floor space to sleep on you know and everything we eat together all these things and uh, if you you want to do something crazier let us know we would love to take you to some of these Muslim countries so you can see all the sons of Ishmael that are returning to the house of the father bless you guys Isn't Jesus wonderful? I just want actually just to pray over us and uh, just release what he released tonight. It's just so powerful that if you're just hungry or if you even just want to respond to the invitation, and it's almost like he didn't even give an invitation. His life is an invitation. Uh, the story is an invitation. But if you want to respond to anything that was released tonight, I just invite you, you can come forward, or however you want to respond to the Lord, but Epstein, can you just pray, pray for us, and release that. Daddy, Abba, you're a wonderful father. You're a wonderful father. Lord Jesus, your love, your beauty surpasses all understanding. And today my prayer is, Daddy God, that you would just move mightily upon this church, upon your sons and daughters. Father, that you would move and you would just release a new anointing. Father, that there would be a new fresh fire. A fresh fire. Father, I pray that their brothers and sisters' heart be fully given over to you in response to your goodness, in response to your faithfulness. That they would take a new position that would say, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. In this season that is about to happen, whatever you want to do, Lord, use me. Don't let me miss out. Father, I pray that you would just move mightily. You would move mightily. And this fire of revival that is happening in, in North America, in the United States, will just be contagious, Daddy God. That it would just go from this church to every other church. That it would just engulf the city of Austin and beyond, Father. Beyond, Father. Father, I pray that there would be a spirit of wisdom that 
we would not waste our time in bickering, as, as Paul says, in arguments that brings nothing. But instead, we would give ourselves in unity and in full surrender and the fear of God to the things that are dear to your heart, Daddy God. That we would be like soldiers that would take our place in the kingdom and say, Lord Jesus, here we are. We're going to stand united, waiting for a new release of the Holy Spirit. Father, bless your body in Jesus' name. And I pray greater miracles, greater wonders, greater times, greater fire, next level. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.